ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That was my voice cracking. Welcome to the 60-something episode of the Calvary Cast. I don't know what to say. I have a cold. You have a cold? You kind didn't of. tell me that because we just talked about colds. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm battling. Like, I was battling something. Do you want me to go put a mask on? No, because no. I think we've probably got the same thing. We probably do. And that's why I said I felt funky this week and tired and my mind's not there. So if All this the is things a bunch you of feel? rambling. Yeah, I feel too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in this together then. It's some kind of viral thing. Well, this is like episode 64 or 65. I'm not sure. I'm Graham, and you're Jess, and uh, we are going to talk about the Bible today. Yes. What? Hey, you know what? I just thought of something. Okay. Oh, yes. So your name is Graham. Mine is Jess. GJ. We live in Grand Junction. Whoa. Maybe we need to play off of that a little bit. Like, GJ My wife's name is GJ. Jenna, so we're GJ, too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. See, that just shows you were destined to come to Grand Junction. <laughs> is there another GJ town in... The United States. Mm. Grand Jorge. Could be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Giant Juniper City. I've heard of Giant Juniper. Yeah, it's a nice place. (laughs) What state is it in? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. A state with no trees, let's say. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) Where are Junipers? I don't know. Who cares? It's kind of a, yeah, I don't know. Enough of this mindless rambling. I don't know. People enjoy it sometimes. Anyway. So anyway, we're talking about the Bible. That was that was a segue there. Segue into the Bible. What are we talking about? Matthew 22 is going to be our launching pad. Okay. And what are we talking about in Matthew 22? Parable of the wedding feast, but specifically one verse that I didn't cover okay. in my sermon when I preached in this section. Okay. And that's verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. What does that mean? So what does that mean? That's what we'll discuss. And as we discussed, mm-hmm. we should read the passage, right? Just read the wedding sure. feast passage. Why not? Do you want to do that? Because I'll do a lot of the talking on that, teacher. So why don't you read just uh, those? Do first. you want me to get like? A, do you want me to read it with an accent or anything like that? Would that be helpful for people? I think that would be unhelpful, oh. actually. So just your normal accent, your normal my kind South of nasally Dakotian, uh, South Dakota. Nebraska and Nebraskans don't have an accent. South Dakota's depends on where you're at in the state. You can get a little bit of a oh, you know. I wonder if people from out of those places so can detect it because I'm from Northern Illinois. And sometimes I have people say they hear that. Well, you say seen instead of sin, and you say miracle instead of miracle. Really? Okay, because yeah. Natalie always makes fun of the miracle thing. Yeah, it's always it's a miracle. <laughs> right. Okay. I can't even do miracle. it like you do. Mi- miracle. There you go. Miracle. So it should be miracle. Miracle. But you say miracle kind of. Yeah, like America. <laughs> a lot of miracles. America's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. American miracle. Oh, We might boy. have to edit some of this out. Anyway, what was I going to read? Okay, in my just straight, non-accented English, here's Matthew 22. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. 
The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So when we went through this as a congregation, this passage, it was part of a message on three parables, actually, in chapter 21, um, beginning of verse 28, and verse 32, through verse 32, there's a parable of the two sons, and then uh, verse 33 through verse 46 is the parable of the tenants, and then, of course, the parable of the wedding feast in chapter 22. And when I preached you that, I made the observation that really what Jesus is doing here is these are parables of judgment against Israel for their historic and current rejection of God and his messengers, his prophets that he was in, their refusal to repent over and over again, all their sins. And right now he had sent his son and the prophet of prophets, and they're rejecting him as their Messiah. And so these are judgment parables. And the one in the wedding feast, I think, is referencing the idea that what happens is that the, there's this great wedding feast for his son. This king is preparing this great wedding feast for his son. Of course, those who were invited, being the Jewish people, would not come. So he sends more uh, servants just to plead with them. And, it, and at best, they were indifferent to that. At, at worst, they took those messengers and killed them, right? Mm-hmm. So the invitation then, or the call of this kingdom feast goes out to everyone. Go into the main roads, invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Right. And I think that's really picturing what happens in the gospel age, where there is this deter- this decisive turning of God working primarily with the Jews and revealing himself to the Jews, the people who were originally of the kingdom, but because of their rejection now, we're in the age where the good news goes out to the nations, mm. and they're coming into the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's a that's an awesome, you know, parable here, mm-hmm. thing about what's going on, illustration, showing God's heart for, first of all, for the Jews, just pleading with them over and over throughout the centuries to repent. They wouldn't, pleading with them through the Son, they wouldn't repent. But then the gospel going out to everyone being invited. But then you have this, what I would term a strange ending, a twist almost. A twist in the the story. Yeah, it's like you're not expecting this, right? So this guy shows up, it founds out um, that he had no wedding garment. Now people speculate on what that might be. Um, Is that the righteousness he needed? Mm. Um, And if they connect that to like, you know, that idea of imputed righteousness that Paul later talks about, that righteousness that you get through faith in Christ, it might play on the idea that in that time, uh, it could be that a king throwing a wedding feast like that would actually provide for the people coming to it 
like the, clothes so they looked nice. They had to have the proper attire right. on. Others believe maybe this was pointing to the need for practical righteousness and salvation, the resulting good works that he doesn't have. But the the simple fact of the matter is the parable doesn't explain that. Right. And that doesn't seem to even be the point as much as what Jesus summarizes he's getting at mm-hmm. in verse 14. Okay? So what he's saying is you find this guy here. He didn't have the proper wedding garment. He was cast out and really into judgment. Uh, yeah. Darkness, weeping, weeping and gnashing teeth. I mean, really that's scary. really like harsh language, it right. sounds like, right, yeah. for somebody showing up to a wedding feast that shouldn't have been there. And the and this guy, like you think about it, you read this and you're like, I don't want to be that guy. Right. Right, because I don't want to go out into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So, but then Jesus kind of summarizes verse 14 in drawing a conclusion here to this end, this twist at the end of the story with the word for, okay? So he says, for... Many are called, but few are chosen. Hmm. So um, that's what he was driving at. Hmm. This man is obviously had been called, but not chosen. And that I realize, uh, or the word is elect, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could translate it elect, you could translate it chosen. Mm-hmm. This is the idea. It's throughout Matthew's gospel and into the New Testament, this doctrine of election. And um, and so what what I really thought about, if somebody were to ask me, what does this mean for many are called, few are chosen? I think we'd have to start with that word called mm-hmm. and a, a little bit of an understanding of that theologically and how that connects mm-hmm. to some other scriptures. And then the idea of election mm-hmm. to a degree. And that is, these are very touchy subjects for many, right? right? And like hard, hard to understand or hard to grasp, I guess, to a certain degree sometimes. Yeah, I think so. And I, so in Matthew's gospel, put this, puts this out over and over again. We've right. made mention of this, that on the one hand, you see throughout it, this open call to yes. repent and believe in Jesus. And at the same time, and, and people, and, and, those who hear that call are responsible to respond. Mm-hmm. And yet we also see that other side of the, the coin, which is God's sovereignty over it all. Right. Whether he's hardening the hearts of the Jews so that they can't respond. Yeah. Or uh, the necessity of God to work in such a way in a person that they can respond. Um, and then here using terminology like elect. Yeah. And in Matthew 24, this comes out again when the Son of Man returns, power, great glory. He's going to gather his elect from all over the world and and draw them in. Some people like to just narrow that down, say that's the Jews or whatever. Mm. It's uh, but that's I don't think you can. That holds water there or in the rest of the New Testament. It's just a convenient way of trying to diminish something. You don't like the way it sounds and Mm. how it doesn't connect with another doctrine like this idea of this call that goes to everybody and human responsibility. So yeah. it's better to just take these things to as, as they stand in yes. each passage or whatever. So this idea of calling is really important because uh, I think we can become confused. This parable here in Matthew 22 is an illustration of the, of the general call of the gospel, what theologians call the general call. M- many or 
everyone that hears the call of the gospel right. to that of who Christ is and how they're supposed to respond has received a call. Right. Right. An invitation, if you will. Yes. That's a, you know, that's a good way to put it as well. There, there, uh, and it's, you know, here is who Jesus is. Now you should respond with, with faith in him, mm-hmm. repentance and faith. And if you do, these saving um, benefits are for you. And, um, but there's also another kind of call that Paul uses this mm-hmm. term a lot. It's the idea of those who are elect actually being the called of God. So I think the best place to look at this would be in Romans chapter 8. Um, and on the, the general call again, like there's nobody that's missing from that, right? Like we would think that, you know, when, when even creation is testifying to the goodness and greatness of God, is that serving as a call in a sense? Could we use that language? It could be a general call to acknowledge that there's a God. Right. And Paul says that's enough to condemn you. Condemn you if you reject that. Right. It's not enough to save you. Right. So the call of that you would find in just creation that God is there is a God, He's created all things. That's not enough to save. We need that special right. revelation of the gospel. Yeah. And um, and so we've got to take that good news to give out issue this invitation, mm. you know, to to everyone. So in Romans eight, Paul says, um, beginning in verse 28 he says we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose so it's the first time it shows up in here right so these are a specific group of people they also love God and we know that for these people that are called according to his purpose um, all things work together for good for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, that word foreknew means um, most literally to know beforehand. But it is a, in this context, in the way the Jews would use it, it is a word of relationship. In other words, he didn't just know about the person. Right. He knew the person. Yeah. And so this could be synonymous with that word election. Hmm. Because those whom he foreknew... Those also, in Ephesians chapter 1, he refers to as uh, those God chose from before the foundation of the world, right? And predestined them, because he uses that same word in Ephesians 1, predestined these ones that he foreknew to be conformed to the image of his Son. So in the end, this is what he means by it works out for good. In the end, they are fully and finally conformed to the image of Christ, glorified, Mm. okay? So... In order that he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers, uh, brothers. And those whom he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is clearly a different calling than the general call that Jesus is referring right. to and, and illustrating in that wedding feast. Right, because Jesus is saying many are called, but few are chosen. This seems to be talking about those who are chosen. That's right, because that's all it can mean, because the ones he predestined, he called. He didn't call everybody with the same calling. And the ones whom he called, he justified, and he doesn't justify everyone. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, and he doesn't glorify everyone. So this is a specific calling that uh, takes the saving work of Christ and applies it to the person. And this is a calling 
that only the, the elect would receive, or those who, whom he foreknew and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hmm. So this is, uh, and really, like, I know some people struggle with this, but when Paul is writing about these things, he's writing them to believers. He's not running around to unbelievers talking about the doctrine of election. He's mm. talking to believers. And he means it to be this incredible blessing yeah. to know that you've been called in that way right. and that you've been chosen. There's an assurance, right? Because he's explaining, like, this is what this is what has happened to you. Right. This is kind of the behind-the-scenes look at your salvation. Yeah. And that is a great encouragement. When you know, I've been chosen, I've been called because of what God has done. That's right. And he goes on to say in verse 31 there in Romans 8, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He talks about um, God graciously giving us all things and proving that he would do that because he gave up his son. There's no charge that can be brought against God's elect. Verse 33, because God who justifies, nobody condemn us. Nobody can separate us from the love of God, right? So this is supposed to be like this affirming, wonderful doctrine that just makes us feel spiritual invincible in one sense and 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 by that i mean um nothing can stop god's work in our lives and nothing can stop god's predetermined plan to ensure that we are fully and finally conformed to the image of his son in the end um so just to interrupt for a second here uh oftentimes though people don't find this doctrine encouraging when they're first coming to it right and why why might that be and well, or I guess maybe I'll state it, phrase it this way: They don't find it encouraging because then they go, "Well, maybe I am not elect. What if I'm not, you know, chosen?" Yeah. Uh, so how can how can this become an encouragement for them? Yeah, I think that it um, the the issue is is never. Well, I wouldn't say that. The the, the God doesn't want us necessarily worrying about whether or not we're elect. Yeah. Because what he wants us focused on is who are you trusting in Christ right. and have has he changed your heart? Yes. And are you bearing fruit and and those kinds of things because that is really the evidence of one being elect. Right. So when one's faith is resting in Christ, like Paul tells the uh, the church in Thessalonica, <laughs> I know that God chose you. Right. Because when the word of God came to you, it came with effect. Yes. All right. And that's why we often call this calling, this issue of calling, effectual calling. Mm. It affects what God purposes in. Yeah. Right. And it brings with it the transformation of the heart, uh, uh, new affections, um, the spirit of God within somebody, uh, desires to walk after Christ. And so, um, and so that's, you know, really... You, you see the evidence of God's work in a person's life, and even that person can build in their own assurance as they see the, the, the working of God in their life. Yeah, cool. So back then, connecting this to this issue in Matthew chapter uh, 22, um, there because there, this is going to seem to contradict what I just said, but, <laughs> but the issue that came up with this person is, is um, like we said, they are found to not be elect. The wedding feast man. Right. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing, part like what Jesus is saying is this, with this general call of the gospel, there are going to be people that seem to respond mm-hmm. to that. They end up at the wedding feast, right? 
there are going to be people that are that are that seem for a time to respond to the gospel call but then under the, under standing under judgment it is found that they are not true believers i think it's helpful to to understand the new testament does continually remind us of the reality of false believers yeah over and over and over right there are people who will profess to know christ but don't really know him in truth right that's right. And that, this has been a problem. This was a problem in the early church. It's a problem now. Yeah. <laughs> it's down through the history of the church. That's right. And I think that's why God, people like Matthew would p- put this part in there. Yes. Je- out of all Jesus' teachings, one of the things he chooses to yes. put in there. John talks about this in his, uh, in First John, you know, if they went out from us, it shows they were never of, of us because yep. they wouldn't have gone. So, so they were facing this problem and they needed to show people from Jesus' teaching Largely that he said this was going to happen. And even in Matthew 24, when we were talking about what we looked at Sunday morning, the idea that in this inner Advent time that we're living in now, there would be apostasy. There would be people who go turn away, fall away, um, or are scandalized once tribulation or testing comes and they walk away. And it shows that their faith was not genuine. Parable of the soils does the same thing. Uh, the sower goes out to sow the seed. Some falls on rocky ground. Some falls on good soil. Uh, I think that all evidences that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So it has to explain some of those things. And then I'll I'll leave us with Second uh, Peter chapter one. And um, and this is an interesting passage, leading um, up to verse ten, which is really where I'm going. Um. He says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Here you have Peter combining these two words that we're talking about, calling and election, and he clearly, clearly he's referring to the specific calling, right? Right. And that he wants you to be diligent to confirm your calling and election. Hmm that you don't end up being the the, the man at the wedding the that doesn't have the, the garment yeah right and um and by doing largely what he says and this is why I said it it's going to seem to contradict what I what I said earlier but I don't think it does it it ties in but this idea that as you're adding to your faith these things as you're pursuing righteousness and spiritual growth it's actually affirming mm. your calling and election. So mm. it's not just, it's, it's, it's am I trusting in Christ? Yes. Am I resting in him alone? But then also what the, what the reformers talked about is it's faith that is faith alone in Christ alone, right? By which we're justified. But faith is never alone. Mm-hmm. True faith results in Pursuit of righteousness, following after God, doing good works, serving, love, the fruit of the Spirit. Things that will never be perfect in our life, ever, ever going to be perfect. But there are 
evidences of true saving faith that actually affirm yeah. your your calling and election. Yeah, cool. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, and I, I'm sure there's different directions we could, could have taken that or whatever to answer that question, but I think that's largely what he's referring to there, the general call. People will seem to respond to that, be found in the end that they're not right. one of the elect. Right. And I think we need to not be, and let me just add this at the end. I know that people struggle with the doctrine of unconditional election, mm, mm-hmm. but I don't think we should allow that to keep us from using biblical terminology very clear. That Peter used it, right. Jesus used yes. it, Matthew recorded it, Paul talks about it. There is, uh, um, there were God. God had electing purposes. This yes. is so you know He chooses whom He's going to save, yep. and um, I don't think we need to shy away from. Using his terminology, and he, his electing purposes are brought about through the proclamation of a general call. Yes, right. Wouldn't we? You know, that's what I think. Romans Romans ten. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's right. So we, you know, again, this is where. The accusation, if you believe in election, you won't preach the gospel. No, not at all. We believe a general call. We're offering a call to all people to repent and trust in Jesus. And in the providence of God, uh, that's what he uses. The people respond to that general call, and it is a specific or special call for them. Yep. It will work. It will work. That's the difference between those who respond and don't. God, the, the the general call goes to everyone. The the effective call is through the general call, but that is a calling of God on their right. heart. And it's the word of God that's working that is bringing about that re- right. response. And then we have great confidence, right? That we just we just faithfully proclaim the gospel. God does the work. That's right. Yeah, good. Well, we hope this podcast has been helpful for you as you think through difficult question uh, texts like Matthew twenty two. Uh, we love to hear from our readers. So readers, oh, that's the cold kicking in, listeners. Maybe you're reading this podcast. That'd be a nightmare. We had to dictate this out or something like that. The transcript. The transcript would be terrible. Anyway, we love to hear from our listeners. So if you're part of our church, come up and talk to us on a Sunday morning. Give us a phone call. Shoot us a text. If you're outside of our church, send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.